The uh, theme of the year is one step forward, closer, closer, forward, one step closer. And uh, really, in that thought, this message really, to me, is the most important. Uh, One step closer this morning to the path of our Lord and Savior in his prayer life, his private prayer life. And the next service is one step closer to one another. And tonight, it's one step closer to future blessings and joy and fruit. If, uh, if you're to ask your neighbor uh, what, how God has, uh, uh, how he built us, he built us, we would say, body, soul, and spirit. We're three parts. Well, really, that's how we live, body, soul, and spirit. But we're in the Bible, it's spirit, soul, and body. So this morning, we're talking a little bit about your spirit and... Uh, your fellowship, your private time with the Lord, for sure. Uh, God, uh, in his word, teaches us much about uh, prayer and praying. We know we should pray always. Uh, praying always with all prayer and supplication, the Bible says. And we actually become uh, alchemists. The Greeks invented, uh, or the Egyptians invented alchemy. Back in the early centuries, and alchemy is turning one bad thing into a good thing. They want to turn lead into gold. Well, we turn our cares into peace through prayer. It says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. So keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We know this. Well, you know, the, the world, education... The medical community have studied prayer. And it says, they say, the person who prays feels more rested physically. The person that prays feels uh, less stress in their life. Prayer helps uh, with depression. Prayer helps your thinking. Prayer helps your creativity. Prayer helps recharge your batteries. Prayer uh, helps with problem solving. Prayer increases your concentration. That's what the medical community community says. Increases your productivity. Helps with your memory. And may lower your blood pressure. That's what the medical community says. Research on prayer says uh, it'll calm your nervous system. God knows we all need that. Shutting down your fight or flight response. Prayer can make you less reactive to negative emotions and less angry. Studies have suggested that prayer can produce uh, psychological, uh, physiological, uh, reduce physiological stress regardless of the person, thing, God, or gods that you're praying to. It can lift your mood, make you more positive. Make you more optimistic. It can lessen or reduce someone's feelings of isolation, anxiety, and fear, resulting in lower rates of depression, stress, anxiety, and people who pray compared to those who don't pray. Experts have shown that hope, love, contentment, empowerment, and other positive emotions flow from people who pray. Prayer may thus foster psychological benefits by creating a positive sense of meaning, hope, and empathy. We like to study prayer. We love to sing about prayer. We like to read about prayer. I have uh, books in my shelf about Mueller's prayer and Tyndale's prayer and Carmichael's prayer and Hudson Taylor's prayer and Livingston's prayer and William Carey's prayer. But that's not praying. You read all day and it's not going to help you pray until you pray. 
I read about the prayers of Moses and Samuel and certainly uh, David and Jeremiah and Paul. But today we're going to study the incomparable prayer life of our Savior Jesus Christ. He, uh, he prayed perpetually, but also he had a time uh, by himself apart. And I'm asking you this morning, do you have a place apart to pray? Is there a place you go to pray by yourself? Now, does anybody know a lady named Janie Tinklenburg? Janie Tinklenburg. Well, if you're ever on a game show, you'll know, because I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> Who is Janie Tinklenburg? Uh, she was a uh, youth group leader in Holland, Michigan, a Calvary Reformed Church. And uh, she created this thing to help her teenagers remember the Lord and think about God. Anybody know what that, know what that might be? Uh, this thing spread worldwide in the 1990s, and kids are all over the world are wearing these bracelets with what on there? WWJD. What would Jesus do? I remember that. Well, we're, we're going to learn this morning, what would Jesus do? Because really, what a man has to say means nothing. You know, if you go online and you put in pray, praying, and prayers, there are billions and billions of hits. No kidding. And you spend all day reading about that and everyone's suggestion. But I say, let's take the God of our salvation's prayer life, his private prayer life, and see how ours compares to that. You talk about one step closer. One step closer to our Lord and Savior in his private prayer. I say, if a man, a person, a woman, child, a teenager, if they don't have a private place to prayer, you're missing out on life. You're missing out, really. And something that will really, truly change your life. A place alone with our Savior. Listen. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. So we're going to walk closer, another step closer, following Jesus in his steps. Take my yoke upon you, the Bible says, and learn of me. That's what we're going to do this morning. Learn of Christ, his example. For I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're going to learn Christ Jesus is mine. The busiest man on the planet put aside time and a place to pray. All the pressure in the world on him. He put aside a time and a place to pray. It's the most valuable place in the world, to me anyway. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest. This morning we're going to consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. For even hereunto are ye called, because Jesus also suffered for us, leaving us an example. So let's take Christ's example. Why did he leave us uh, an example? That we might follow in his steps. So we say we're Christians, we say we believe the Bible, we say we believe in Christ, we're going to follow his steps this morning to his prayer place. When he prayed, and how he prayed. For consider him, well, that's what we're going to do, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest he be wearied and faint in your minds. Anybody weary and faint in your minds? Well, a way out of that is to consider Christ in his life and how he prayed. Throughout the Bible, God is, uh, Jesus is described as praying very much. No doubt he prayed infinitely, infinitely more than the apostles uh, uh, recorded. He prayed everywhere, about everything, in every place. He prayed in the morning, he prayed at night. He prayed out loud that we might uh, hear him praying. He said, and I knew that thou hearest me also, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. So he's praying out loud, obviously, public prayers, obviously, private prayers, obviously. 
Prayer was his life. His whole heart, soul, and mind ran in line with God through prayer. He prayed before the day. He prayed at the end of the day. He prayed at his baptism. He prayed uh, at his baptism and received the Holy Ghost. Uh, he, he went to prayer when people went to crown him, when his work was done, at his transfiguration, his farewell prayer, on the cross, praying for his enemies, public prayer, out loud prayer. But he had uh, private prayer just as much, maybe more. Now, I, I try not to uh, segment or compartmentalize on my prayers. Okay, it's 7 o'clock, I've got to pray. It's uh, 12 o'clock, it's uh, dinner time, I have to pray. We should be in continual prayer, perpetual prayer with our Lord. We know that. And uh, when we are stressed out, when we need help, Jesus wouldn't, didn't go to John, he didn't go to Peter. Uh, he went uh, to his father. Who do you call when you're in trouble? Pastor, of course. I'm going to call the pastor, I'm going to call my friend and tell him my problem. I'd say, Christians, the first place you should go is the Lord. If someone's let you down, if someone's offended you, if uh, you're sick, you ought to go to the Lord first and foremost. It's not a set time here and here in prayer and this, and I'm at church, and uh, I'm at the hospital, I'm at the funeral home. No, it's perpetually speaking with the Lord. Teach us to pray, Lord. We might draw one step closer. To our Lord. Now, look in uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Luke 6, 12. <clears throat> in your Bibles, uh, before Jesus made this big decision of picking his disciples, check out what, check out what happened. Uh, he was teaching uh, by the uh, Lake Genezareth and other cities in and around Galilee. And in 6, 12, it says, uh, And it came to pass that in those days, uh, listen, that he went out into a mountain and prayed and continued all night and, uh, to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. He went out into a mountain to pray. Is there ever time in your life you say, I've got to get out to my mountain and pray? And when it was day, he called to him, verse 13, uh, his disciples and of them he chose 12 whom also he named apostles. Before we make a big decision in our life, I mean, especially our young couples in here, before you make a big decision in your life, you should stop and you should pray about that. I always told our people, before you buy a car, you go to the dealership and you tell them, listen, I'm not buying this car today because I've got to go home and pray about that. Before we bought our home, we did the same thing. Our home was a... It was a big, big move, and it is for anybody, but for us it was big for many, many reasons. And But we weren't, we weren't about to buy it without first going home and praying about that. Uh, my son's going to go in the military, so we've got to pray about that. Jesus Christ, he went out by himself into a mountain to pray. Big decisions in your life? I, I, following the steps of Christ, walking as he walked, uh, learning of him, being of his mind, considering him, we go into our own place. My question to you, do you have a place to go? Uh, I helped this fella uh, move into his house. It's just an old shack. It was an old shack. It's all he could afford. And uh, it needed tons of work. Leaky windows, leaky roof, electric, plumbing, all kinds of problems. And his wife was making this list this long for all the things, prioritizing the needs of the house. You know what he did? He went down to this basement. And in the basement, there was this uh, fruit cellar. Hadn't been used in many, many years. Just a dingy, dark, six-foot by eight-foot fruit cellar filled with creatures and spiders and stuff. 
No lights. Uh, filthy. Stinky. Moldy. You know what he did his first project in the house? He went down that, into that basement and he cleared out that six by eight hole and he put himself a little table and a little chair and a candle in that place. Uh, you know, it became his mountain. It became his sanctuary. And so, where is, where is my husband? He's down. He's, he's in the mountain. And that's what he needed. And from that place, they remodeled that home. But the remodeling didn't start till he found himself a spot. Can you carve out a spot? Do you have a spot? Oh, wherever mom and I lived, since I've been a Christian, I've found myself a spot. A mountain that I can get apart alone. They say you need to get apart before you what? Come apart. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to find ourselves a mountain. I don't care how rich or how poor. I don't care where you live. There is a, I knew a, I knew a man. He built himself a tree fort. He went and spent a hundred bucks on wood and built himself a little tree fort to get away. Not from his wife or his children, but to get away to God, a place. That is, that's closer to God. That's close to our Savior. Jesus did it. Wait till you see. Wait till you see. Matthew 14, 22. Let's turn Matthew 14, 22. Many, many examples in the Bible of our Savior praying by himself. Now, we know, again, we pray all the time. It's true. Uh, I remember... Uh, driving Eastman Kodak for 20 years or 25 years or whatever, my mountain, my place was my vehicle. I'm driving for 30, 40 minutes, and I'm not listening to the blather on the radio of people saying nothing that mostly not true. I'm not listening to music. My wife would tell you, I'm driving to the work, 40 minutes, talking to the Lord. That was my sanctuary. That was my mountain. That was my place. It's the only time I had. And I made it, I made it a mountain. Sometimes so much, I drive right by my exit. <laughs> I said, I missed my exit. Listen, listen, I'm the worst Christian most of the time in this world. But one thing I valued in my life was that precious private time from a 23-year-old man being saved, knowing nothing. That is one thing I learned. And that is one thing I've kept. That's one thing I've maintained. I drive, I miss those days. Driving to Kodak, all that quiet time in my car. Get to Kodak, sit in the parking lot, read my Bible for 10 or 15 minutes and go into work. Every day. Every single day. For all those years. I miss those days. Seem a lot simpler. Those, those days. Matthew 14. Matthew 14, 22. Watch now. Are you there? And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples. This is uh, uh, before he walks on the water. Uh, and straightway, Jesus constrains his disciples to get into a ship and to go uh, before him into the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up. <laughs> he went up into a mountain apart. You see, up and apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there. How? Alone. I love this. He went out, he went up, he got apart, and he was alone. You want to get, take one step closer? Get up, get out, get apart, get alone. It could be for five minutes in the morning. It's better than what some of us do now, right? Can I tell you something? Preachers always say it, and you always say, oh, sure. It will change your life. Just try that. Try that. You want one step closer? One step closer to our Lord, a mountain, a par to pray alone. 
That's walking in his steps. That's learning of him. That's considering him. That's having his mind. That's following in his steps. In the book of Mark, it says that uh, he departed into a mountain. Sometimes you must depart into a mountain. Uh, I know a man. He, uh, you know, it seems like every other week in all those early years, mom were helping someone move someplace, right? What a hassle. But anyway, you couldn't say no to the people. Well, this guy moved into this. <laughs> someone asked you to help him move. What are you going to say, no? Anyway, uh, this guy. <laughs> you want to say, hey, look at, just get a truck. And Anyway, this guy bought this old little house. And uh, there was this woods behind him, a nasty, gnarly woods. He had no place in the house to pray. I said, you've got to find yourself a place to pray in this place. He goes, I have no place. So we went on the back of his woods, and uh, it's a big woods, but it was all gnarly and uh, uh, grown over with thorns and thistles and nasty trees and all that. Well, we, we started carving a path into this woods. You remember that, Grandma? <laughs> carving a path into the woods, and we, we stumbled upon these five boulders. And they're shaped like an, uh, a U. I said, this would be a good spot, bro, for a, for a prayer. And we uh, went back to the house, and we got some tools and dug out this place. A sanctuary, a mountain, apart, alone. And you know what? Every single day, rain or shine, this man made himself walk it back into that woods, crawled through his, walked through this path that he had made into his sanctuary, where he met God. Every single chance he could, for sure. I have a place. My place, my wife, my wife couldn't find me in my place if she tried. She stresses her out a little bit. But uh, sometimes on Sunday mornings, I would go to my place. <laughs> and she'd be looking at her watch saying, oh, man, is my husband, is he still alive? Is he going to come back? Does he realize we have church today and we've got to get moving this thing? It's so divine. It's so wonderful. You know, I like thinking when I'm sitting there by myself, now another human in sight. I say, Lord, you and I are the only ones that know where I am right now. I am yours and you are mine. Oh, it's precious. It's precious. Now I'm retired. Oh, man. God sees me there more times than not now. All the time. Five, six days a week, I go to my spot. And if uh, I don't take my phone, my wife stresses my wife out. And she said, what if you have a heart attack and die? Well, honey, if I have a heart attack and die, I couldn't call you anyway. So <laughs> what, what if you get attacked by wolves or people or something? I'm not worried about it. Take my phone. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That makes no sense. I'm going to take my phone just in case someone wants to send me a picture of what they're having for dinner. Someone wants to show me their child eating a Cheerio. You know what I'm saying? You know how many pictures I get like that? I'm going to take my phone. It's going to be on vibrate. It's going to beep a little bit. No, not me. Not me. I, I, I mean, God's like, God, God is not like human beings. He's not getting insulted. But I think it's an insult to the Lord to take your phone to a prayer meeting. I see you putting that phone away. Oh, you put <laughs> Listen, I was going to tell you, I don't take my phone to church. I don't want to, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to be buzzed. I don't want to be beeped. 
Find out who's killed who and what's on fire and what country's going to war with what and all all that. I I can find out after church. Yeah. And do what you want. It's up to you. But I I think it's... uh, One time, Johnny, I went to this meeting and uh, I thought I'm going to be, you know, change the world, right? And have everybody... Oh, boy. Yeah. I had everybody... (laughs) I had everybody deposit their phones in the lobby. You want to talk about hate? <laughs> you want to talk about people not? You know, you get that, you get that uh, vibration when you don't have your phone. What do they call that? Like a fake vibration. You think you're getting a phone call, but you don't even have your phone on you. Yeah, and I, I never did do that again. In fact, I was never invited back to the church. <laughs> okay, everybody, deposit your phones. Or not. What was this man saying this to us? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, turn to Mark chapter 1. Oh, man. Mark chapter 1. Oh, fantastic text. Fantastic text. He went up alone. He got to get out. Uh, I love this. Mark 134. Mark 134. Okay. Uh, he's healing many people. He's healing many people. He's preaching. And the Galilee, and watch what happened. Uh, Mark one thirty four. We want to take one, one step closer to our Lord this morning. That's what I'm thinking. And he healed many that were sick. One thirty four of diverse diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. That's our Lord. That's what we're talking about. That's the walk. That's the mind of Christ. Here's the scene. Here's the scene. He's in this place and everybody's sleeping. They're all resting. Jesus was resting, I think. And he wakes up very early in the morning, looks around. There's Peter and there's John. There's Matthew. There's Simon, Zealot. And uh, they're all sleeping. And he gets up and he walks out of the house. He'll find himself a solitary place, a place alone, a place apart, the busiest person on the earth. Watch now. Watch what happens. 134. And he healed many, uh, was sick of diverse disease, uh, diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out. Early will I seek thee. My soul longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land. It is a good time to do it in the morning, if you can. In the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. And there he played. Solitary place meaning a a, a remote place, a set-apart place. And Simon, of course, Simon, and they that were with him followed after him. Simon wakes up. He looks over where Jesus was sleeping and saying... Where'd Jesus go? Anybody see Jesus? Watch now. In the morning, rose up a great while. He went out, verse 34 and 36. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. <laughs> it's like Simon, man. Watch. And when they had found him, they said unto him, uh-huh. All men seek for thee. Now, I hear there, I hear that from him saying, uh, Do you know that what's going on now? All men seek for thee. And that's true. 
Jesus's entire life on this planet. All men, good men, evil men, men that want to help him, men that want to hurt him, sought him. But he always found time to make a place apart alone. Do you have a solitary place? The theme for the year? Closer. One step. One step. I'll tell you how to take a step. I mean, it's good to talk about it. It's wonderful thinking and all that. It's great. I like it. But how about doing something about it? Let's, let's, let's put feet to the theme of one step closer and find yourself a solitary place. You, maybe you can't go every day, but just a place, just a place to go. A place to go to be alone with the Lord, a solitary place. This lady in my church, she, uh, she, uh, had, very, she had a brain tumor and uh, really wasn't sure she was going to live. He made a big, big decision about surgery for that, because that was almost as dangerous as doing nothing. Well, she told her husband that she needed to get away for a couple days, right? And she didn't tell him. <laughs> she, told, she didn't tell anybody where she was going. Not even me, or not her husband. But she had to get apart to make this decision and discuss, discuss this thing with God. She took no phone. She took water with her, and I'm guessing she went to a hotel in the town. So I started going to these hotels. <laughs> I wanted to find her and give her a gift. So I know she disappeared for a couple of days. So I finally landed at this hotel. I said, hey, does this lady named Beth come here for a couple of nights, maybe yesterday, this morning or something? Yeah, we have a lady like that. I said, hey, listen. I want you to give her an anonymous gift. And I gave her something that she could use in her time, her solitary place. And uh, man, it's just her testimony is amazing. It's amazing. She ended up having the surgery and uh, she's prospering, serving the Lord today. What I'm saying is sometimes you've just got to get out. Sometimes you've got to get up. Sometimes you've got to get apart. If you're going to be like the Lord, surely you're not too busy. Not busier than Jesus. Ah, A solitary place. A place alone. That's being like our Lord. Now, as I was saying, some of us, I was speaking with your pastor before church, we have this thing called, do do, do you have uh, nomophobia? Do you know if you have that? Nomophobia. You know what that is? Anybody know what that is? Oh, good. We learned something. Nomophobia, my friend, is the fear of being without your phone. Yeah, it's a thing. It's easy to remember. Just say no mo fo. Yeah. It's, uh, listen to this, listen to the experts. I don't need an expert to tell me this, but cell phone usage, especially the use of smartphones, has skyrocketed. The average American is, he spends 5.4 hours a day. Now listen, I, I love my phone. I love my phone. Can I say that without get, getting mad at me and all that? I mean, I'm loving my iPhone 14. Now some of you are sitting here saying, well, that's nice, but I have a 15. <laughs> Many of us have become addicted to our cell phone. It's called nomophobia. 
and have a difficult time controlling the amount of time we spend staring at the screens. Excessive use of cell phones has been attributed to an increase of physical and mental health issues, including eye strain, neck strain, back pain, depression, loneliness, uh, mood disorders, and uh, uh, sleep disturbances. Some behaviors which may indicate addiction to your phone. Ask yourself if you have nomophobia. Losing large amounts of time mindlessly checking apps or browsing the internet on your phone. Feeling anxious or restless when you cannot access your phone. You imagine going someplace without your phone. You know the most asked question in America today is what? Where's my phone? That's true. Yeah. Using your phone is in, in, interfere with your productivity at work at home. Using your phone is dangerous in an appropriate situation, such as when driving. Can I just say, it's just, it's just dumb to be checking the weather while you're driving. Listen, you're going to kill somebody. Then what? Someone sends you a text. You've got to answer that while you're driving? Oh, I can do it. All the people that ever got a head on collisions say the same thing. Oh, I can do it. Can I just give you some practical living advice? Don't do that. You are going to suffer. And someone else is going to suffer. It's just dumb. Whether it's the law or not, it's just dumb. Struggling to wait to check your phone as soon as you receive an alert. That's why. See, I'm prone to mobile phobia. That's why I don't bring my phone to church house. Feeling of phantom vibrations, that's what it's called. Giving the widespread use of cell phone and the essential nature to our everyday lives. And they are essential. Eliminating the use of your cell phone is unrealistic and may uh, actually con- uh, contribute to feelings of stress, anxiety, or suicide. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> it's true. Luckily, studies have shown that even a small reduction in smartphone use. Let's start with a small reduction in our solitary place. Can you do that? Find a place. Five minutes. Ten minutes. Thirty minutes. Be awesome. A study conducted recently in Germany showed that reduction of a smartphone use by one hour per day, per week, one hour per day, per week, resulted in reduced depression and anxiety and improved physical activity. So I say, okay, okay. We can't give it up on the phone. We can't give it up. What? How? I just can't understand having an iPhone at my dinner table. Is it more important than my wife and my children? No way. No way. No way. Unless some critical thing is happening and I've got to be available for something, I'll have it. But I'm not going to be browsing through my phone waiting for someone to beat me while I'm at the dinner table with my family. It's interrupted the family. I'm just saying. Uh, it's a long time. It was certainly necessary. For our Lord and Savior. Now, last, the last, last place we're going to look. Luke 5.13. Luke 5.13. We'll hurry. I, I, I just say, let's put feet to our theme. I say, oh, it's a great theme. Well, it, yeah, okay, good. Luke 5.13. Check this out. Oh, this, listen, people haven't changed. Times have not changed. It's always been stressful. It's always been anxious. From the days of Christ till now. 5.13. Luke, look. 
just cleansed the leper here. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be like clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for the cleansing according as Moses commanded. Uh, 15, but so much the more, you see those words, so much the more, went there a fame abroad of him and great multitudes uh, came together to hear and to be healed by him of the infirmities. So much the more, the crowd was so huge, the demand on his time was so huge. Verse 15, and look what he did. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. I'm thinking he left the, the disciples hanging with all these people. I'm thinking there's a thousand people or more there waiting to be healed. Uh, devils to be cast out or whatever. Peter's there moving people along and Thomas is there uh, looking for Jesus saying, oh, I knew this was going to happen. Matthew's counting the people looking at the clock. Uh, Simon the Zealot was in charge of security. And all these guys are, there's all these people. And Jesus left. What? Now, wait a minute. So much the more. Went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came to hear, and he healed them, and he healed by them by of their infirmities. Now you have this, these people, these people just got healed. These people are waiting to get healed. There's a next in line. Would there not be a next in line? And Jesus disappears. It's not that he didn't love these people like he loved this people. It's not like he didn't want to heal these people like he healed this people. But the, the, the hour called for him to get out and get along with the Lord. He withdrew himself. He got out. Out into the wilderness and he prayed hold on hold on there are things to do there are people here been waiting for five hours to see you he got out he withdrew himself so much the more now th- th- those words so much the more to me it's like this world in which we live is just pressure on us constant now, the demand for now. I, I need it now. I need to do it now. People need me now. Just so much the more in this life to crush us for our time. Just like it was then. So what did Jesus do? Work faster? No. Did he devise a plan to get uh, people through the line? Of, no. He withdrew himself into the wilderness to pray. You want to get one step closer? Let's put feet to that. And find yourself a spot. Oh, it's exciting. You know what? I'll tell you. When I go to my spot, I don't have my Bible. I don't have my prayer list. No, I love my Bible. Of course. And I love my prayer list. I have different prayer lists here and there and all. But when I go, here's what happens. I'm going show, to show you. And everybody does things their own, their own different way, right? But I'll go to my spot. And I'll sit down. In this world where there's so much the more, I'll just sit And listen, be still. And I'll say, Lord, thank you, Lord. And just talk to the Lord on the mountain, in the wilderness, in my solitary place. You're missing out on the Christian life. Young men, you're missing out. You young guys, you want to grow up to be something for the Lord? Get apart with them. Apart. Alone. Separate. That's the words the Lord used. Solitary place. Apart. Uh, It's the great secret of successful, prosperous, joyful Christian life. I couldn't go a day without reading my Bible. I certainly couldn't go a day without 
private time with the Lord. Sometimes it's five minutes. I'm out in my woods this past week, splitting wood, and I just stop for a moment. And it becomes a solitary place. Sit by the creek. Just just what I just did. Oh. And uh, just peaceful talk with the Lord. There's always a place. Very fine place. I'm going to give you a quick illustration, and we'll be we'll be done this morning. I'm, I'm telling you, the other day, John, this is the most important message. I can't see how we can go without it. I can't see how Christians can go without it. If you want to be like the Lord, one step closer to Jesus. That's what He did over and over again. So much the more, so much pressure, so much rushing, so many demands on our life. The mom might say, oh, "I got the house. I got the kids. Are you busier than Jesus?" You're afraid of offending somebody. You tell them, I, I've got to get apart for a while and pray. I've told my wife that many times over the years with the troubles and trials of the ministry and life in general. Baby, I, I just got to get away for a day. And I'll disappear for a day. So, Dad and Mom, are you, are you stressed out? Well, the doctors and science says, maybe you need to pray. <laughs> But I say, if you're going to be like Christ, you need to pray. Okay, quick analogy. Uh, my wife and I were skiing recently. And uh, sometimes when you go skiing, you, if the light is just right and the snowing is happening, you can't tell sometime of the terrain. Well, I'm skiing down this hill, and I don't fall very often. But, man, I, I took a nasty crash. And uh, arms and legs and skis went flying. I ended up on the ground, a convoluted mess of humanity. Legs and skis and poles. All over the place. My bent, bent, bent my ski pole all up like that. Tangled heap of flesh. <laughs> and so I'm laying there on the ground taking an assessment. You know, I'm taking an assessment. You're 70 years old. You get your, you know, what on earth? So uh, I did this bodily assessment. I think, man, I didn't get hurt. That's amazing. And I told my wife later that day. I said, babe, you know what? I think I didn't get hurt because I stretched that morning. I stretch every day, just like I read the Bible every day. I stretch every single day for five minutes to 30 minutes, every single day. And I did that morning in, the, in our hotel room. And I think it's because of that I didn't get hurt. My body's prepared for so much the more. You know what I'm saying? So, so it is with prayer. T- to start the day without prayer is like skiing down a hill, <laughs> not seeing where you're going, and wind it up in a tangled up mass. Listen, that prayer in the morning prepares you for so much the more. You get alone with God, and uh, you're, you're, you don't know what's going to happen this day. So you get alone with the Father, and you, you, you talk with God, and you get your peace with God, and you start that day out. And you are prepared for whatever happens to you that day. Just like the bodily exercise profit little, we know that. But th- that bodily exercise saved me that day, and saved me other times, I'm sure. But really, prayer is what saves me every single day for so much the more. You get someone offending you. You get someone you're hurt, uh, hurt by somebody. I say this. Let's put feet to our anthem or theme this year. Uh, closer. One step. I'll tell you one step to take. I'll tell you one step to take. Get yourself a solitary place. In fact, I, I get it. And I'd, I'd encourage the preacher by saying, hey, I found myself a place 
whether it be a closet, whether it be in the driveway in your car, which we've done that before. We've had a house full of people, and there's stress, stress in the camp. I've got to get out of there for a minute. Sit in the car. Talk to the Lord. I pray you find a place. Your life would change. This church's life would change. If everyone had their personal time with the Savior. John, you want to close us out? Let me just pray. Let's stand for prayer. If we can. Yes. Time alone. You know what does my heart good? Seeing my wife in her place. Every single day. Got a spot. Got our own spot. And that's a blessing, man. It's a blessing. And sometimes she'll come in my office, encourage me, and say, hey, look what I found. Oh, that's an encouragement. Now, not just that my wife found something, but that she's excited. Being saved all these years, married all these years, run to my office, say, hey, Jay, check this out. That's a blessing. Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful for Christ. Oh, I, I, I'm thankful for Jesus this morning. Thankful for the way he walked. Thank you, Lord. Your Bible tells us to learn that. Learn of him. Find peace. Walk where he walked, Lord. Very clear. And we know he walked many times by himself on the mountain. In the wilderness. Apart. Alone. He withdrew himself from the chaos. He withdrew himself from so much the more. Because it was needful for his soul. Lord, would would, would some individuals in this house determine today, find a place, if it's for five minutes a day, just to go be alone without the phone and talk with God. And we'll thank you for it. Bless you for it. In Jesus Christ's name, for his sake. Amen. You're dismissed.